listening to The Private Citizen, the podcast that's defending your right to have something to hide. This is episode 85 for Wednesday, the 8th of September, 2021. The latest in despicable journalism. Hey everybody, my name is Fab. Welcome to the show. I'm coming to you live from Düsseldorf in Germany. Uh, yes, I'm streaming this live as I'm recording it, so it's uh, live. Did I mention it's live? It's live. And uh, this is no, this is not the latest in Spickable Journalism. I'm actually trying to do some some, some good stuff here, but uh, there has been a lot of Despicable Journalism journalism lately. So, uh, I don't know. I feel like we need to talk about it uh, again. I mean, this is not the first time I'm talking about this topic, but uh, I think it's important. Um, yeah, so that we will talk about the whole Ivermectin debacle today. In case you want a little little spoiler of the topic. Um, but before we get into that, uh, just, uh, just a quick mention. Um, I am recording and releasing a few extra episodes this week. Um, possibly two more. I mean, this, the normal Wednesday release, and two more. Everything goes according to plan. And uh, then I'll be, or the show will be on a little bit of a hiatus there for a little bit. As I am uh, busy and on the road and um, won't be able to, uh, you know, uh, record shows really. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm going to skip some more episodes. I got a list. I got a list how many episodes. So basically, right, got this all not- noted down. So I, I pledged an episode a week. And I said if I'm, you know... When I started the show, and I've, I've done a few more in the first year, and I said when I when I when I miss, I'm gonna make it up. So uh, I have to get to episode 102 by the end of the year. So that's that's the plan. Um, you know. So I say this again. I will try to do some more episode. I'm getting getting a few out ahead of time here um, that you maybe can space out if you want. Um, you know, if you space them out over two or three weeks, um, then you know I should be back. Sometime in October, preferably early, early October, but uh, yeah, we will see. Um, yeah, uh, other than that, um, everything's been going great. I'm 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 working a lot. Had some uh, <laughs> some interesting feedback lately. Um, I don't know. There's some some people uh, obviously discovering. The, the show you know the the show obviously if you're not if you haven't listened to this before um i do say this a lot but it's kind of important um if you go to privatecitizen.press there's a website uh, which has copious show notes for every episode and uh, they're so copious that apparently people uh seem to uh mistake them for articles or something um they obviously get linked by somebody uh, you know, deep linked to an episode. I mean, the, the URL says episode. Um, I mean, yeah, in their defense, it didn't say podcast on the site, but I thought that was kind of obvious. Um, I mean, there's a big audio player at the top. It says subscribe, Apple Podcasts, you know. And uh, it says this podcast was recorded with a live audience, like in a box and everything. So I don't know. They, they keep, they keep, there are some people who just read the show notes and then they're commenting. And I've had this happening. A while, but now I have some people, specifically, um, I think, uh, commenting on that episode I did on Gemini, you know, the Gemini Protocol, where I made a mistake in the podcast. You know, this happens. Uh, speaking of journalism and mistakes, 
Um, these kind of things happen. And uh, sometimes they do not get caught by the Twitch audience, which which gives live feedback, which always helps. Um, you know, um, you should do snippet shows from the motorbike. Yeah, except I don't even have the motorbike with me on this trip. And also, a good seat is very loud. I think on, on a previous podcast I had... Um, I have like an, I have like an audio snippet somewhere uh, of of what my motorbike actually sounds like. Maybe I can find this on the on the fly uh, while I keep talking. So this this the Twitch feedback, which is great. But sometimes even like Twitch doesn't catch mistakes, and I mean mistakes happen, right? Um, they uh, they happen, and it's important to correct them. And I kind of do that, and uh, I made a mistake in that episode. And I corrected that in the next episode. And now people are writing in like, your article is wrong um, and whatever. And I'm like, first of all, it's not an article, um, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, right. I have, to, I have to fire up my home server here. I think I need, I need to do some on the fly to get the snippet. Um, you must shut it down when you are pulled over and just do a quick snippet. But I guess you don't need the motorbike for that. Yeah, really, I don't have a reliable internet. That's more of the problem. I like I'll be like actually on the road, and I don't think I'll have the bandwidth to reliably upload the show. Also, I don't I don't think I'll have the time uh, to prepare and do shows. So I said I might as well not do it. Other the other way, I'll just put myself into stress, and you know I might I might actually um, you know promise you some episodes who then. Uh, <laughs> don't uh, appear and stuff like that I, I didn't want to do that anyway so um yeah uh, so people seem to mis mis mistake these uh, show notes uh, for for articles and they they apparently they apparently they're not listening to the podcast um, which is uh, a bit of a shame because of course you know I, I corrected that error uh, in the next episode pretty much immediately um, now I can't go back and change the episode and I don't want to like I, I hate like one of the things I hate about web journalism is when when people change their stories and they just pretend they never made a mistake um, so I just corrected it in the next episode and of course I'm not going to correct it in the show notes either which is something that people don't like I've, I've actually been, been going back and forth in email with some of these people and they don't seem to understand that like I don't want to change it in the show notes um and then have like you know have these be different like fr from the actual episode because they'll they'll be bloody confusing to the people uh, listening to the episode right i mean th you don't want that like they're they're set in time they you know their show notes they're what i base the show on and there might be mis mistakes in them i you know i don't i don't I don't understand. I don't understand what people don't understand. Anyway, I had some interesting feedback, but you know, I don't want to rant too much because generally I have um, I have really good feedback, and um, I'm, I'm to be honest, I'm just waffling right now because I'm looking for this. This you know, I've got so many audio clips. Uh, I got got it somewhere, and I will find it, and I will keep going as long as I have to, until I can play this for you. I I I, I distinctly remember I recorded my motorbike. Um, just need to know. Like I've got so many sound clips. Jesus Christ! I just I think I've been doing been doing podcasts for way too long. Anyway, um, I while I while I do this, 
um, I want to kind of um, say thanks to everybody who's you know who's writing in, who's giving feedback. I, I try to acknowledge everybody, but of course, you know, some people don't want their stuff ran out. Sometimes it's just background information, and uh, I, I would like to. Um, just say that I recognize all of that. Like, there's a lot of feedback that you're not, obviously not hearing on the show that I get. That's very important. Um, you know, some some of it is very critical. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't mind that. I think that's very important, like to keep me on on my toes as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't, th I don't think, I don't think that's that is that is bad, right? Um, just some people also, I don't know. Some people seem to like. Uh, have critical feedback and then don't want to have it read out on the show um, which I don't know I don't really understand but of course if they if they ask me uh, to do that um, I will I will honor their request of course um, I mean why wouldn't I um, but yeah Th thanks to everybody who's written and if you want to you can go to private citizen press there's a big contact uh, button at the top and uh, you can also write me some feedback. Um, and uh, as to the question, why am I not like putting a little inline thing in there? I mean, I could do that, but you know, there's like lots of errors in the show notes all over the place. And I kind of want to spend my energy on, um, you know, creating new content uh, in, instead of just endlessly going back. And I mean, I fixed it in the next bloody episode. Just like listen to the podcast and you won't have the problem. It's a it's a podcast. Listen to it. Anyway, I found the file. See, this is why I can't do any recording on the motorbike. This is what it sounds like. You just idle it. That's just the idle sound. That's just, and that's not really, that's not really as loud as it as it should be. But like, you know, now imagine I just accelerate. That's just that's just the engine going boom 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 from left to right, idling. <laughs> you gave me excited. I'd listen to that. Just put that in the background of the podcast. <laughs> Just record it down in the like parking garage. <laughs> People, what is, what is he doing? I always thought that guy was mad. Anyway, uh, enough, enough. Well, I think that's when I turned it off. Enough with this crap. Um, enough with this crap we're gonna we're gonna uh, get into the main part of the show now finally after like 10 minutes of rambling um it has a rhythm it says in the game x and uh, twitch chat. yeah of course it does it's a nice v2 engine that's why you know that's why v2 engines are the best uh, it's a lovely rhythm i mean it shakes loose the fillings in your tooth just sitting uh, at a at a traffic light, but I mean that's why I bought the mod, that that bike. That's why I love that's why you love your Gucci, isn't it? Uh, Gucci uh, turned a hundred this year, by the way. Um, Nineteen twenty-one, oldest still operating uh, European motorbike uh, manufacturer. Little little company in a little town uh, called Mandello Dell'Ario uh, in Italy. Of course, it now belongs to. Uh, Piaggio, but yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the the ivermectin people. So um, I've I've just I've, I've talked about this on the show before, right? I've talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, I had an episode uh, episode twenty eight. This was uh, July of twenty twenty, so uh, obviously a bit over a year ago. 
last summer i talked to mike um who i'm having on the show again soon if everything goes according to plan um this was the first episode he was on i think uh, we talked about journalism because obviously i'm a journalist and you know what i see is wrong with journalism today and um I, I kind of want to pick this up because I've seen this this getting worse rather than better. Um, if you're wondering why am I talking about this, obviously, you know, this is often, you know, it's a podcast primarily concerned with privacy and like your your rights as an individual and stuff like that. But um, I think as, as um, we will come to understand at the end of this topic, uh, this is an integral, and I've, you know, I've talked about this before, this is an integral problem we have in society today. Uh, basically, um, even if you go like the press doesn't interest me and I don't consume anything, it impacts you massively because, I mean, you get your information from somewhere and um, it's just like what the press does is form public opinion and that shapes everything that, you know, shape, shapes a politics, shapes the laws we are, um, we have, um, you know, changes of laws, it, sh it shapes uh, you know, obviously how the government operates, it shapes uh, the courts, the decisions in the courts. And um, yeah, and I feel like, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like this is getting worse, like the, the whole public discourse. It's not a problem, of course, alone with the press. Um, and this is also something Mike and me are thinking about doing an episode about. He's not going to come on like if, if, if he's coming on soon. It's going to be on another topic. We really wanted to talk about Brexit in the UK again because, you know, prompted by some um, listeners that also uh, were interested in that topic. But um, so one of the things we are thinking about and we want to also talk about is um, how we uh, assimilate and uh, disseminate and... Um, yeah, how, how society disseminates information, basically, right? And how that is just changing. And I've, I feel, and I think Mike is on the same page there with me, um, we, we both feel it's not it's not for the better. Now, but I do think uh, the press is, um, is playing a bit big role in this. And when I say this, you know, I generally mean um, this is mostly um, big uh, publishing companies. Um, I would say the mainstream press but if you if you say that you get branded by the mainstream press as a nutcase um so i just just call them you know the big the big media companies you could you could say um and you know um generally i feel feel gets better the smaller places but you know this goes down to like local newspaper level um they all have the same problems you know they're making less money um, it's not the, so much the journalism's fault per se, because generally it's a problem of um, the publishers. You know, the, the press used to be a very um, lucrative business in the 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, and so to some degrees in the 90s. And, you know, it's just lost a lot of revenue. Uh, the publishers still accept the same kind, still um, expect the same kind of return. Um, and so, like in every business, um, when, you know, you're making less money, um, but you know your owner still wants wants the same cut. You know you you basically shit flows down the ladder, right? So everybody down, you know that people get fired. Uh, everybody has to do like three the job of three people. Um, you get paid less, and so generally journalists don't, often don't have the time to even do research. Um, but um, I'm not letting them generally off the hook. I mean it's not so much their fault, but the problem is. Uh, the people I'm going to talk about today 
Um, I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're talking about like Der Spiegel, The New York Times, um, The Guardian. These are people that if you go to their websites, they, they um, with, with big words, um, they kind of talk about how great they are and how good they do research and all of this. So you can't really let them off because they have an expectation for themselves to do this better. And they're not. Um, I understand having worked in the publishing industry, um, having been a journalist. I mean, I was in a very good place comparable to other people I know. Uh, but, you know, I understand the problems there. But still, um, like, you can't, like, outwardly claim you're, you're a good journalist and doing the same kind of journalistic work that people did, like, 30 years ago and then um, produce crap like this. And so what crap are we talking about today? So uh, we're talking today about ivermectin, which is... Um, uh, dewarming drug. Um, so basically, this recent fuck up again has to do with the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic, of course, um, or could it be otherwise? Um, so this time, uh, the press, basically, the the big media companies are going after people taking ivermectin, which is a dewarming drug. And you know, there there are some indications. Um, you know, obviously, this is not medical advice. <laughs> Hello, YouTube algorithm. This is uh, wait. Oh shit. Where's my uh, where's my bullhorn? Hello, any bots or algorithms listening, this is not medical advice. I am not a doctor. You should not take medical advice from me. Thank you. Right? <laughs> but, um, you know, there are some studies. There's, 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 there's credible um, indications that it might help. Um, I, don't, I don't think specifically so much much of the the information is not that it helps yeah the, the, the ones that the, the, the let's say the, the information that isn't conf like being contradicted um that it helps against SARS-CoV-2 but generally against viruses right it has antiviral properties um especially against RNA viruses you know like SARS-CoV-2 so some people thought it might be helpful and you know tried giving it to people this is uh, pretty much a repeat of the hydroxychloroquine uh, situation where okay we now we do now know now um, that that doesn't help. But at the time, you gotta remember, at the time where it was being disputed and, you know, basically um, made a political issue to the point where, you know, in the US, the news, newspapers were literally writing that, like, you know, this is uh, crazy Trump uh, voters are taking this, right? Um, even though, like, it's not FDA approved, whatever. Um, at the time that was made an issue, we didn't know. Um, it was initially uh, looked very promising. Um, then the uh, WHO banned it because of some side effects uh, that later turned out not to not be bad or not be as bad as you know they said when they banned it. Um, but or they didn't ban it, but they said people shouldn't take it, right? The WHO can't ban anything. But um, uh, yeah, so it later turned out that to be not effective, which is something very different. Like they weren't saying in the beginning when they were disputing it, they weren't saying it's not effective. They were saying it has side effects, um, which is idiotic. Like the same thing goes for ivermectin. This, these are both drugs that have been given for other purposes for decades. Like hydroxychloroquine is a anti-malaria drug that was given to people in the 1900s. Uh, no, in the 19th century, actually in the 1800s. 
Uh, it's been given to people for decades, and it's been given to people with chronic illnesses. It's very well understood. So, of course, it has side effects. Every drug has side effects. Like, literally, aspirin, ibuprofen has side effects. Like, fucking, if you take salt, <laughs> that has, like, nat natrium, uh, sodium chloride. Sorry, we call it na natrium uh, in German. That's why, you know. Symbol NA. Anyway, uh, sodium chloride has side effects. Everything has side effects. My, my chemistry teacher used to say it was this very nice. I think she was originally from Ukraine, Ukrainian lady. She always talked about, you have to take the, the Bunsen burner on the blue flame, the blue flame. Anyway, she was really nice. She was like, any substance is deadly in the right concentration. <laughs> and she was right. Um, um, yeah, severe, severe side effects like death, which... Uh, salt has right water uh, taking in the wrong you know drink too much water and you'll die um but anyway so you know we gotta yeah we gotta we're gonna remember that here right this is not some like crazy drug it is well understood okay in ivermectin's case often uh, given to animals as well but like you know it's not just like it's not like any drug, right? So ivermectin, for example, the the people who discovered this actually got a Nobel Nobel Prize for discovering this. It's like it's not like it's uh, it's like either badly understood or like a, a bad or um, or until it was made a political issue, just like hydroxychloroquine, um, any in any way disputed. Um, now, if you if you read media coverage about this, they always go on about how this is not FDA approved, right? And that that always like. It's like, that is like, what they're basically saying is like, oh no, somebody, like some doctor gave his patient with like his, um, acknowledge, like with, with their approval, right, gave them a drug that wasn't like, I don't know, FDA approved, for example, um, which is like, oh no, you're challenging the mighty wisdom of the of the state bureaucracy, right? I mean, yeah, of course, drugs have to be... Uh, uh, approved, right? But there were like when 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 this whole uh, pandemic started. I mean, people were running around like head, head, headless chicken, right? There were lots of drugs that that had emergency um, approval, like you know, you could you could just in this just for test re like this this. I mean, if you could only give people drugs that were approved by like the medical health authority, then like you wouldn't you wouldn't do any medical trials, right? Literally, that's what a medical trial is. Like before it gets approved, you have to give it to a certain amount of people in a controlled uh, environment, right? In a controlled study. I mean, that in itself isn't bad, and like the, that's something the press doesn't doesn't understand we'll we'll get to that a little bit later because there was a funny thing which i'm going to single out at the end which is hilarious uh to do with joe rogan who, who took ivermectin it's like you know somebody somebody um like i don't even understand how the press like what moral high horse are there like what what problem do we have that like somebody with their doctor goes okay i'm gonna try this treatment right i mean that's between them and their doctor Right? I mean, okay, if they die, you know, the doctor might get sued by, I don't know, their relatives or whatever. But generally, like, that, that doesn't concern The Guardian or The New York Times. Like, you know, where is this coming from? But, of course, we have to, we have to make everything a moral issue now. And um, what I think is happening here is basically what journalists are doing, instead of doing some basic research, uh, which they don't have time for, 
Um, they just invent some shit and basically go with an instinct that's been trained into them, which is, you know, if you cause panic or outrage or fear, um, your your reporting gets more exposure, and you know your your outlet profits from that, obviously. Um, and then journalists often, and I've worked with people like this, um, have this reflex, and I fucking hate that. I don't know where that is coming from. I've never had this reflex, right? This this to play like moral police. And I think what they want to do is kind of they stroke their own egos, right? They go, they kind of want to go show by their writing um, that they're better than other people and better than their audience, which I think is that is actually despicable. And you see that in lots of journalism, right? As you see that in games journalism, when there's like this, sometimes this like people flexing, um, like just certain things about what they've done in the game, so they you know they can show that they're a better gamer than somebody. Or like one example is, uh, uh, you know, very because you know lots of the great games press is very progressive. There's like this certain flex where you will just like, if you, if you play like an RPG, right. And you can, you can have a male or a female character, right. You will, you will play the female character. Like, even if you're a dude, like there's like, there's like no games journalist for any established outlet who's like, has a penis, who is like playing RPGs as a, as a man. Right. It's just like always that that's like, that's just one of the way you're like, I'm, I'm so progressive, just like uh, virtue signaling, basically. Um, or, you know, people writing about how they don't have a car, and they're like, ah, oh, go on the on the bicycle everywhere. Well, good for you. You live really close to your place of work. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> you know, uh, and I was like, oh, God, and I, I have to go 150 kilometers each way because just of life circumstance. Um, but I think people are doing that um, a lot. Now, on this... Um, on this ivermectin uh, piece um, uh, situation, uh, Meta Ebi, uh, who used to work for the Rolling Stone, uh, wrote a very had a very nice write up about this, which I'm obviously linking in the show notes. Private Citizen Press. Please also listen to the podcast. I mean, the show notes are a good resource, but you know they're they're primarily there to uh, to, to comp, you know to supplement the podcast, obviously. Um, so uh, so let's uh, let's he explains pretty much everything. So I'm just going to read his thing because it's really good. And please subscribe to his uh, Substack, which this is from because he's a he's a great guy. He used to be a sports reporter, I think, and now he does like lots of political stuff. And this is a really good guy. Anyway, um, uh, Matt says. <clears throat> Citing a report of Oklahoma emergency rooms so overwhelmed by ivermectin overdoses that gunshot victims were going untreated, MSNBC anchor Joy Ann Reed Sunday proposed sticking the swallowers of, quote, horse paste at the back of the line in order to prioritize the more deserving, in quotes, rather than allowing the ivermectin people uh, to, to prioritize the more deserving, uh, in quote, rather than allowing the ivermectin people. She spoke the words of if holding a vile, a vile wriggling thing with tweezers to, quote, take up all the beds. Uh, so the ivermectin people, allowing the ivermectin people to take up all, all the beds. This was a network anchor despising a group of people so much that she itched to deny them medical care, not only despite never having met them, but despite the fact that they may not even exist. <laughs> the, quote, overwhelmed Oklahoma ER, end quote, tale, later seemed to go sideways, the latest of in a line of crack-ups by media lost in the throes of a moral panic. 
The tale of mobbed ERs originated with a September 1 print story in the Tulsa world, followed by a piece by Oklahoma City-based NBC affiliate K4. That's uh, Kilo Foxtrot Oscar Romeo. Both interviewed a Dr. Jason McAlia, I'm going to call him McAlia, no idea, uh, who spoke in the K4 piece of, quote, gunshot victims having hard times getting to facilities, end quote. Separately, he spoke about both the overcrowding problem of seeing ivermectin, over, ivermectin overdose cases, but we don't actually hear him making the connection that it's the ivermectin people causing the bad shortage. That was done by K4, whose Chiron uh, and tweet identically read in all caps patients overdosing on ivermectin backing up hospitals ambulances. The line spread the next day with a retreat by Rachel Maddow. Uh, the real patient zero of this mess. Followed by tweet pushes by MSNBC executive producer Lauren Paykoff, The Guardian, The Business Insider, The Daily Mail, Newsweek, The New York Daily News, Daily Kos, Occupy Democrats, Read, uh, Moral Maniac star Kurt Eichenwald, and I, I love this, the humorously dependable wrongness barnacle, Ewan Higgins. Ian? Ian? No idea. I just love the... Um, okay, Matt Taibbi, I'm seeing this for you from you. The wrongness barnacle. That's so good. It's just somebody just, just sticking to the wrong side of stories. The wrongness barnacle. Um, and of course, my former employees at Rolling Stone. My old Mac got most of the cat calls on social media after adding a full written story that widened the scope below... So here's a bone to pick, obviously. Uh, beyond Oklahoma to note in a tone that quote even podcaster and anti-vaccine conspiracy theorist joe rogan bragged of taking ivermectin now we're gonna we're gonna go back to joe rogan at the end of this right um so uh meta meta is great so so he he um uh summarizes well i'm gonna go on with his stuff in a bit i'm just gonna gonna note something here you know when i was coming up when i was growing up when i was like 20 or something um you know, there there was this thing like you would never in Germany you would never read the Bild, right? Which is a is a is a hor horrible tabloid. It's kind of like the German Daily Mail. It's probably worse, uh, if that's possible. But you know, you had this you had this thing where you're like, okay, you can't trust the Daily Mail, um, but you can trust the Guardian, right? You can't trust uh, the Spiegel, uh, but you can trust uh, you can't trust Bild, but you can trust the Spiegel and and the Zeit and whatever Süddeutsche Zeitung. Um, it is. Um, it is that that has changed that is not true anymore right Bill might, might still be arguably more shit than Der Spiegel but you know Der Spiegel gets a lot of stuff wrong we now live in a time where nobody checks any stories anymore um, anybody would run just runs with somebody else's written and uh, then you put it in wording where you're like yeah you kind of covering your ass so you basically employ journalist language where you go, I mean, I've done this. Sometimes there's no other way, right? Sometimes, you know, I've done this for security um, stories. Where it's like something happened, you know, the Deutsche Bundestag, the parliament got hacked, whatever. You have to go with what the government says, what somebody else writes. And then you have to put the story out. I understand that. That is a, that is a, um, like... Um, that's a, that's a must. That's a, just the ground rules of journalism, but of news journalism. But first off, you need to follow that up, and you need to correct everything 
you know, if it was wrong. And you need to employ some general, like, uh, common sense, right? If if the if if the if if the um, if the Bundestag was hacked, you can ring up the press office and go, "Did this is this true? We actually hacked." If some other newspaper writes about something, you can just ring them up and go, "Like, look." I'm a colleague here. Like, can you tell me a little bit more about this? Or you can try to contact whoever is involved with it. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you can't verify it, but like, and then you also have to employ some just general um, human, like just common sense. We go like this story. We're not publishing this. This doesn't sound likely. Like, as a journalist, you can't be that knee jerk. You can't have that knee-jerk reaction that everybody else has right now, where there's like on Facebook, they just read the headline, and then, or you read the headline, and then you retreat it, right? You can't do that as a journalist. Not if you're in a journalistic capacity, right? I mean, I don't, I understand when journalists do this on Twitter. Um, you know, I, I might have done something like this in the past. Um, it happens. Um, but it's different if I do it, or if Rachel Maddow does it. I mean, you will agree with that. Like, the more... The more reach you have, the more important you are. You will have to like fucking research even your tweets. Um, but like, when you're writing stories, you can, you can't like you need to like fucking do some sanity check. And like, I, even I, I I wouldn't even have retweeted anything like this. Like this is idiotic. If you hear the story, even if you don't know a lot about medicine, you hear the story. Like we've been told how many like COVID patients there are in the US right now. And you hear the story, suddenly there's more overdoses from this, which apparently like the Trumpers or whatever are taking, like first of that, there are no, not that many people, not not that many people will just take a drug. Then it just sounds like the whole, like the bleach story, which was totally idiotic, which like, first of all, Donald Trump never said the word bleach, which is really funny, but yeah, the media ran with it. Somebody just put bleach in there and it, you know, we're good to go. Um, and then, like, there was, like, some guy who drank, like, pool cleaner, and suddenly it's, like, a lot of, a lot of people, like, it doesn't, like, it doesn't happen. Like, even if that happens to one or five or ten guys, it's not going to be enough to overflow an emergency room. Like, people are not that dumb, okay? Even the dumbest hillbilly in the, like, they all have fucking shotguns. They would have just fucking shot themselves if they were that dumb, Right? They're, they're, they're working on farms with farm equipment. They would kill themselves. With the f they're not that dumb, right? You, have, you will have one or two people. Like, people are really re weak. It's like social engineering when you try to send somebody. Like, if you send somebody fishing mail, right, in the right circumstances at the right time, um, when they're most vulnerable, you can get them to do almost anything, like, if you do it right. And this is kind of the same thing. Like, you will get people to drink some fucking like bleach if you if, if if you just convince them but not enough to overflow an emergency room right that's just common sense like i don't know how you can like be rage like how deep you have to, do you have to be in your own ass or in your own filter bubble to actually like believe this shit but anyway apparently people believed it but my point was there is uh there's no difference now between a tabloid and just another news source they all do the same shit now. So, you know, so there, this is this is no, like, there's no, it's no, what am I trying to say here? Um, it isn't coincidence that The Guardian is in here 
with the Business Insider, with the Daily Mail, right? And the New York Daily News or whatever, right? And the wrong spot. <laughs> I love that. Um, anyway, ga- going on with what Matt wrote. Um, <clears throat> the original report would have been sensational enough, if true. McElliot told stories of backed-up ambulances, patients, quote, in worse conditions than if they'd caught COVID and, quote, scariest of all, quote, people coming in with vision loss. Well, which is actually, yeah, it's scary, but like, you know, that's a, I think that's a really common side effect of just taking some weird shit. You know, it's like fucking moonshine, right? It's just one of the first things. You vomit and then you get vision loss. Um... Nonetheless, in the game of Twitter telephone that led from uh, K4, KFOR, whatever you call them, to the stone, details were magically added. This is like, you know, journalists just copy each other and then they just run with it, which is the problem. Reed somehow knew the hated overdoses not only swallowed, quote, horse paste, but also had done so, quote, instead of taking the vaccine. Right? How would you, how would you know that? Did you just ask somebody? Like in between vomiting from the horse pace, like, okay, did you get vaccinated? Like, what? Occupy Democrats knew for whom these, uh, for whom the horse pasters voted, noting that so many Trumpers are overdosing that emergency rooms are full. Like, so many Trumpers literally are overdosing that emergency rooms are full. MSNBC contributor Dr. Jason Johnson even speculated Oklahoma Senator Jim Inhofe was somehow profiteering from the misery. Wonder if Inhofe, Republican uh, Oklahoma, um, has, oh no, is that represented? No, like, no, he's a Republican. Is he a House representative of them? I don't know. Just, no, Senator, okay. A Republican Senator from Oklahoma. Uh, if Inhofe has any financial ties to Ivor Macden, wouldn't be the first time he appeared to have profited of COVID-19. Actually, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Ivor Macden is like a generic drug. I'm going to look this up now. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's one company making it. Um, but so that I don't have to fix the show notes. Uh, who's producing it? Let's have a quick look on Wikipedia. There's lots of shit. Brand names. Avermectin is available as a generic prescription drug in the US. There's, you know, there's literally everybody's, like everybody's making that. Um, in the United States, uh, okay, uh, wait, it is also sold under brand names Hurtgard, SK Lice, and Stromactol in the United States, Ivomac worldwide by Muriel Animal Health. Wait, this is not a this is not a sentence. Well, it's apparently sold sold by Muriel Animal Health Mac Tyson. Oh no no it's it's called yeah it's brand named Ivomac worldwide by Muriel Animal Health and Mac Tyson in Canada by Merck. Uh, Inverdity in Nepal by a life pharmacy. Everybody's making this. Like, you literally can't have financial ties to this shit. It's a generic. Like, this is like, this just took me a minute. This is Google and Wikipedia. I mean, if I write writing a story, I would obviously not leave it there. I look, go to primary sources, right? But like, fucking, I already knew that it was a, a generic, but. Uh. Oh, I suspected. Anyway, um, things appear to go south when the Stone put out a quote update. You know that I hate that as well. When you just like update. Oh God, we did that at Heiser too. That is just annoying to me. It's like it's not an update. It's a cor- like in some cases it's an update, but in some cases it's a correction. Don't hide that you correct your stories. 
uh, put out an update with a statement from Oklahoma's Northeast Hospital System Sequoia, which said Mac Elia has not worked at our Salazar location over two months, and worse, that NHS Sequoia has not treated any patients due to complications relating to taking ivermectin, ivermectin which includes not treating any patients for ivermectin overdose. Oops. Of course, that was only one hospital system, and it wasn't clear if it was relevant to Mac Elia's story. However, Rolling Stone then put out a second update, noting that Rolling Stone has been unable to independently verify. Why is Rolling Stone writing about this shit anyway? Isn't that like a music Mac? <laughs> um, has been or lifestyle or whatever uh, has been unable to independently verify any such cases. Adding the national po adding the national poison data system states there were 459 reported cases of ivermectin overdose in the united states in august in all of the united in all of like what's it 50 states 459 oklahoma specific ivermectin overdose figures are not available but the count is unlikely to be a significant factor in hospital bed availability in state that per the cdc currently has a seven-day average of 1578 covid 19 hospitalizations <laughs> Yeah, this is the fucking baseline research you should have done before publishing a story. That's how you would have done it in the good old days. Um, yeah, so basically the whole story is bullshit. Right? The fucking hospital system where this guy worked didn't have one hospitalization because of ivermectin. Right? I don't doubt that, like, you know, you have some people on podcasts, on alter alternative media going, well, this might be a treatment uh, that then, especially if we're talking hillbillies and they're working on a farm, if this is like a dewormer that's giving to livestock, right? And, you know, the upside with that is like if you have medicine that is given to animals and humans, the exact same medicine when given to humans is usually 100 times more expensive, <laughs> So, I mean, of course, if you're a farmer, you'd go like to your local, I don't know, in Germany to like the Reifeisen store or whatever. You go like, oh, okay, I need like 10 kilos of ivermectin or whatever it's called. And, uh, but like, even these people, like they give, they give medication to animals, presumably like on a regular basis, right? Even these people wouldn't go like, like these jur journalists in air quotes, like Rachel Maddow. Um, alleged then went oh yeah it says here a horse gets uh, 200 grams of this stuff okay give, give me 200 grams right <laughs> I mean yeah there might be one or two people in the whole US that dumb but it's not gonna fill up hospital beds yeah uh, orange man bad says S. Lucy right that's how you know Adam Curry from Northern ah, orange man bad and now orange man is not even there anymore he's playing golf, golf. who gives a fuck but still, we have to, like, it's beyond Trump, right? This is a problem of society. This is, I think it was never about Trump. I think I, I also mistook it as a, like, as a symptom of the Trump reign, let's call it that. Um, it's not about Trump. It's about the media in like, no, it's about society generally, led by the media in many cases, putting people in boxes. Right, you vote for this guy, so you must be a dumb ass hick with a shotgun rack in the back of your pickup truck. You vo vote for this guy, you're a good person. Right? I strongly believe that the Green, Greens, the Green Party in Germany, which will probably pick up a lot of uh, votes in the upcoming election, which I'm going to talk about 
long after the election is done when I get back. Uh, I think that's probably going to be the first episode. I'm going to sort out the mess, whatever mess they've made. They, they will have made a mess. Um, you know, I, th I think a lot of people vote green because it's kind of, it's also a flex. I mean, this is secret vote, but at least, you know, they feel good doing it. And they're like, I'm saving the planet. Okay. Like, it's these fucking boxes. It has nothing to do with, like, the actual politicians and the actual decisions. It's all, like, like brand and headlines and, like, fucking, I'm on the Greta Thunberg saving the planet brand, right? Or I'm in the uh, don't tread on me, uh, I want guns in my house brand or whatever. And people get put in these boxes, and the media does it as well. And the media then polarizes these boxed people, like these, these groups of people that they've artificially created against each other. And that, I don't think, has anything to do with Trump. I think we're way beyond Trump. Um, and I think it, it will just keep on going. And whatever the topic the jewel is, masks, vaccines... Uh, wind turbines, electric cars, that, that'll stay like this. Right? And this is something actually that I've been talking with Mike a lot recently about things. And he's, um, he's identified this as well. So I think we're going to talk about this later. This is like a, I don't know what we're going to call this. I don't know what you, what you call this. It's like a, it's like a factor in society, right? And, and actually, one of the reasons why I've identified this, actually you, the producer of the show, have been writing in and have been talking about this very thing. Like I had a discussion with Mike if I'm a conservative or not, and I think that spawned it. And people were like, you just get to you get put you get put in these boxes, right? And there are people breaking out of this. Um sometimes from the most unlikely uh positions, you know, I've just, you know, uh become a fan recently of country music artist Cody Jinx, really smart guy. Um, <laughs> used to be in a metal band originally. He's actually coming out of a metal album in November. Uh, he has a new metal band called Caned by Nod, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, but he has like a lyric in a song where it's like, uh, uh, I'm, I'm neither left nor right. No, no, what? Is, no, that's no, that's Leonard Cohen. I'm neither left nor right. I'm staying home tonight. Damn, I missed, uh, miss, misjudged it now. I now have to look it up. Actually, I think I put it in my Twitter bio because it, it, it fits my situation so well right now. Yeah, uh, I don't care what's uh, right or left, y'all. I'm just out here with the rest. Right? Some of my opinions might be might be considered conservative. Some might be quite progressive. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, um, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, proponent of uh, gay rights, for example. Um, and I'm a, I'm a big... Um, uh like i'm i'm really against uh religion uh but i'm but i'm also for like some traditional values like you know nation states and uh, uh government not not having overburdened uh, bureaucracy you know and people having the right to like defend you know to, to have the right to defend their rights and to have unalienable rights like the right to go fucking outside like i'm old fashioned that way um, so I think we can, I think we all each, you know, how, how do people say this always? Like we're, we're all, we're, we're all different. We're, every human is, is unique and we all have like these facets. And when you say, you know, I don't buy the bullshit that like, uh, the New York times is writing about like the, the, um, the, the quid pro quo, like transcript, whatever, 
Like, I don't, like, you're immediately like a Trumper, right? Just because you said, like, there's an argument, and, and in this case, there's the Trump camp, and there's the other camp, and in, in this very case, I'm not buying the arguments from the other camp. You're like, conspiracy theorist, uh, white supremacist. Uh, it, it's like, it's amazing these days. It, it goes so quickly. Um yeah, Mode 7 says it would be really nice if people could look at things objectively instead of working through this fabricated tribalism. But the thing is, that's just like humans are not objective, right? That's one of the big things I always said, like this objective journalism is bullshit. Now, the problem is we're going away from this objective journalism to actually subjective journalism. And they're admitting that they're subjective, which I would think is a step forward. But they're taking it from the wrong position. Where I always thought, okay, I'm when I when I write an article, I'm trying to be as objective as I can, but I um, recognize that I can never be objective. I am born in, on in a certain position. You know, my parents had a certain amount of money as compared to other people. You know, I have a certain skin color. I'm in a certain stratum of society, and you know, I have just a very different life based on that. You know. In, as as opposed to other people. So I, I will always have, there will be subjective things in my writing, but I try to identify these. And like, first of all, I'm, I'm trying to tell my reader if it's relevant that, you know, I, you know, I have these, like, you know, I, if I, if I write a game review, right. And this has been my child, like it's a franchise that I've loved since my childhood. I'm like really attached. And I went to a dinner with like uh, uh, the, the developers. I would like write that in the review because I think that needs disclosure, right? So example, a player unknown, Brandon Green uh, is making a new game. He left like the PUBG studio craft and whatever. He's making a new game. If I was so pathetically, which I'm not, I was to review that. I would probably write in there that I met the guy once at Gamescom and I sat down with him for like two hours with a colleague and we had a very frank discussion. I really liked the guy and I liked his approach and I, I would put that in there because like that obviously colors my view of everything he's going to do forward. Like I met that guy and I have a personal connection to him, right? And that's, you need to put that in the story. And that is the kind of like subjectivism that I think is okay. But what journalists are doing these days is more like a, they're always being judgmental, right? They're like, um, like try to read a, uh, a story about like electric vehicles that where the guy is not basically espousing the like a very few writers who are not like have this aura of like trying to teach the wider world why we need to like why everybody or not, not everybody like why why this is the right step in the right direction and why we need like to save the planet or whatever but they're not disclosing that as like you know i if i was writing that and that was my opinion i would go like i would get this out of the way in the beginning probably i would go like i personally think we really need electric vehicles for whatever reason blah blah blah, blah. this is my review of the new tesla Right, um, but they're not doing that. They're just like they're, they're like almost writing from a position where they feel like they need to e educate their readers, which you know journalism is in a certain 
way, you know, you're kind of educating your readers, but like you're not educating them morally. That's the, that's, that's, that's the wrong way. You're trying to give them information that they don't have in that way, like, you know, like a, a little bit like a school teacher, right? If you know more about cars than your average readers, which is presumably why they're reading you um, or listen to your podcast, um, then of course you're educating them. But like, if you assume that because of that, you have like the moral high ground, right? I really like V2 motorbikes with V2 engines, but I'm, I, I'm very aware that I'm in the, in the stark majority, right? People, who, most people don't like riding motorbikes. People who do, lots of people uh, very uh, much uh, prefer, like my dad, uh, 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 you know, a, a V4, like, you know, a, a four-cylinder uh, bike, because they're, they're much quieter, they run much smoother, right? They don't feel like they're, they're turning off any minute. They're not shaking all the screws loose. Um so, um, yeah, Mozart says informing versus educating. Maybe that's the same thing, but, you know, I feel like that's what sh school teachers should do, and we call that educating, because, but really that should, like, a good school teacher is informing his or her students, right? So that's kind of the educating. I mean, like, the problem is the moralizing, right? Morals are very much a personal thing, I feel. At least that's what I learned in, like, what, 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 little philosophy I did in school and in university, which is mostly historically colored. But, you know, morals are a personal thing. Um, and they're tied up with, like, very, very messy things, like religion, for example. If you're a devout Christian, your morals, like, depend on God, presumably. Whereas I'm, I'm a person who, like, thinks religion is a dumb idea, uh, doesn't believe there are, is a God or gods or whatever. Um, like, I find that ridiculous. Like, my... My morals are based on, um, like, trying, to, like, you know, Kant and Locke, you know, trying to, like, philosophers, trying to create a society that we can all live in together without, like, fucking tearing each other's eyes out. Um, but it's still a personal thing, right? Um, somebody might feel it, feel it's, like, it's in, in any case morally apprehensible to kill another person which I can totally understand and respect. I respect that position. It's just not my position, right? I'm in a position I, I will. I don't want to kill anybody. I've never killed anybody. I don't want to. But I am very much a person who thinks if it comes down to me or you, right? If there's a guy with a knife in an alley attacking me, trying to kill me, and my only way is to, like, well, life is unrealistic because you wouldn't kill. Like, let's say somebody has a gun and, like, is pointing a gun at me and um, or, like, we both have a gun. I don't know, whatever. Like, if my only way is if it's me or you, right, and and I'm very much one of the, you know, never uh, never, never start a fight, but by, by God ended, right? Um, so so my personal moral compass is, like, if you if you try to kill me, and it's me or you, then I will have absolutely no qualms of like just turning your lights off. Um, to me, I think you know if if that that's just my moral compass. But I understand if people say that's reprehensible. I completely understand that. Um, I I respect it. It's not my moral compass, but you know morals are a very very like messy thing. And that's before you get politics involved. The morals we are talking about here all involve politics. 
And that's like something that's almost, there's somebody who study politics. Politics are immo a, a, no, not immoral, amoral. Right? This is very much, you know, Bismarck, real politics, something very strongly believe in. Any politician who says they're doing anything for moral reasons is deceiving you. They're probably lying. They're probably fucking sleazeballs that you can't trust. Politics have nothing to do with morals. Right? Politics are, and Bismarck said this, and it is still true to this very day, the art of the possible. It has nothing to do with high ideals. I mean, they can be driven by high ideals, but as soon as you get down into the trenches, your high ideals go out the window. So anything we're talking about here with politics involved, like, and this is like really messy because it's like medicine and people dying and politics involved. But like the high ideals go out of the window the first thing. Like the, there's nothing about like so how can you like fucking moralize on people and go like like we should decide like how can a news anchor say we should treat these people first? Like what the fuck? Like you're not an ER doctor. You haven't been trained in triage. That's what triage is for. That's what doctors do, right? And you have and I have like if we're talking respect. I know doctors who who do this work um, personally. They they they're the people I respect almost the most in the world. This is the hardest job you can ever have. Being in the ER, having people in there, and that guy is shot. And that guy has like had a workplace accident and this like his arm is off and it's like bleeding all over the wall. And and that guy has a heart attack and you do not have enough people and you literally have to decide who's gonna die. I mean this is something that's very dramatic now. But generally, you know, you have to make these decisions. Sometimes, you know, medicine when we get down to saving people's lives is is very far from perfect, right? So you have to make these decisions, like, are you actually going to try this? Are you going to put this guy through, like, a 72-hour operation? Like, you know, you have, to, you have to decide these things. That's a very, very hard job. And these people are underpaid and underappreciated. Like, I know doctors. I, I don't know how they do it. Like, young fucking doctors. And they're, like, all fit as hell because they don't eat anything. They don't sleep. They work all day, all week. And then on the weekend, they fucking volunteer uh, to go to go ride ambulances. This is nothing to do with COVID, right? This is happening. This is stuff that's happened before the pandemic. This is totally normal. They do not have enough, especially like on weekend shifts and shit. They don't in you know with the EMTs. They don't have enough emergency doctors in the fucking ambulances that rescue people's lives. So there is these doctors who young doctors who work their ass off. And we're talking hospital doctors. I'm not talking like doctors and some, you know, general practitioners somewhere, you know, and I'm not talking about these guys, I'm talking about hospital doctors. They're fucking like, they're just tearing the heart out all week. They're not sleeping. And then on the weekend, they're fucking volunteering to do more of this shit. Like to, to, to like get woken up in the middle of the night, to like jump in a, in a car, drive somewhere and then just be knee deep in somebody's guts trying to staple him back together after like a car accident, whatever. That is like fucking like these people have, have those people have my respect. And those are the people who need to make these decisions. Not, not fucking Rachel Maddow or some fucking anchor on a television show who's, who can do nothing, literally nothing. These people can do nothing. They can fucking read a sentence. That's their qualification. They look good by reading a sentence. They're also not journalists. Right, I, I actually like something. You know, no agenda has some questionable 
opinions on things, especially Adam Curry, you know, who is, I think, rightly called the crackpot of the group. <laughs> but, like, he has some really good things he says. And, like, he's always, for years, he's been calling these people news models because that's what they are. They're fucking models. They're not journalists, right? They don't do any... Yeah, they sit in the back room and they do, like, the really... Yeah, fuck. They don't do any research. They have a team for that. And even, you know, they don't do any fucking research. If they talk morals, uh, they can get you emotional, and as you say, you probably can't trust them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, they can. Yeah, they can get me emotional, but I think you know, um, they can get everybody emotional. And yes, that's that, that's that's what they're doing. I understand this, but we need to talk about this, right? People need to understand this. People are not understanding this, right? This ivermectin story is completely bullshit, right? It's a bullshit story, and it was. By the same publications, if they had any guts, they retracted everything, they put updates like the next day that is complete bullshit. And like days later, I have people I just talk to like in, in, in real life, just like friends, going like, yeah, have you heard about this and blah, blah, blah. And they're like fucking, we're talking people working in hospitals. And like, you know, I, I understand people don't have time, right? But like people get that first story, they never get the retraction. And that's like a problem. There's lots of shit out there that people believe. Like the last year, there was so much shit published in connection with the pandemic. We talked about a lot of it on the show, but like only like maybe like, I don't know, 10%. Like I literally, I stopped. I mean, I, I tried to stop talking about the, the topic at some point. You know that. I I, I put a break. I, I put like... People are people wrote in. We're like, we don't want to hear about this. Like, do some other topics, and I did that like deliberately, and we were still talking about all these things that were misreported, and people still like to this very day. Some of these things people just believe, like they're I don't know. I'm struggling to come up with an example now, but like, like people to this day educated specialists like tech journalists believe that the fucking contact tracing app works and that there is any hard evidence that is there's no fucking evidence we don't know the people who made it admitted they don't know when they made it there was no fucking evidence there was one paper some guy sent me which was by the guy who came up with the idea who did some like theoretically we did some tests that it would yeah, yeah I'm not saying it doesn't work what I'm saying is we don't know because there it's 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 like really hard to tell I personally think it doesn't work but you know saw that from the beginning because I thought tracking tracking virus propagation with like bluetooth wave form propagate it's just idiotic like anybody how how people can think that was a good idea it's just like beyond me but they were like yeah let's try it and i was like okay yeah maybe you know we had we talked about we had i talked to people about this i had interviews about this um you know i was okay with it at the time it was like it's it's not gonna like really hurt because it was like a privacy it was a watertight pri privacy watertight implementation so it wasn't really hurting from that aspect but it was like i was kind of okay with it under the presumption that we stop doing if it doesn't work and that we like re-examine this but like i learned i'm an idiot i'm like 38 years old and i didn't know that humanity works like this even though like next year in march i'm be a professional journalist for 10 years i should have known this 
that's not how hum humans work. Humans just go, yeah, yeah, this works, and then it's just it. It's that is like how history works. Right? There's this imperfect consensus that gets created at the time because of all these journalists writing all this shit, and then that just gets solidified, and somehow it's fact. Like a, two years later, it's quoted as fact, and ten years later, it's like in the fucking history books. Um. Mode 7, okay, this might be some interesting stuff also from uh, from Twitch chat. Um, if I'm understanding your point about them changing or updating their stories rather than issuing a rejection, then you're pointing out a lack of accountability on part of the journalist. I'm just trying to boil down what you're saying there. Um, no, because like, I mean, they're being, what they, okay, so what they're doing is they're being, on the paper, they're being accountable, right? So because they, they are labeling it, they're saying we did something wrong. And they clearly say that, but like they understate that, right? Um, you know, I don't want them to retract the story because, I mean, we talked about the show notes, right? I'm, I'm, I want the error to be there for people to be seen that they did an error, but they have to, like, put... In this case, Rolling Stone would have to put... Like, if I was editor-in-chief, I would put a huge banner at the top, this story going, look, we did a mistake here. This is all bullshit, <laughs> right? But here's the original story so you can kind of see, right? That's what you need to do. And they're being accountable, but, like, in an understated way because they know... People won't notice. They're like, we can't like point point to our mistakes, otherwise we lose credibility. And that's like our yeah, that's what a journalist lives off, right? This is why I was so pissed off when Google went, YouTube went like, you're, you're spreading misinformation, which I wasn't, right? Because like your your reputation is is, is very important to you. Um, so that's kind of that's that's kind of my main point there. I think I think you know there should be should be more accountable they should be clear about that i think in the end that would garner them more respect and it would also teach them to fucking like it hurts right that kind of thing hurts i've done that in the past i've written stories that turned out to be completely wrong and i had to do like retractions like this right um happens that's just journalism it happens everybody makes mistakes at least when i do that i just like it's just my ego on the line and maybe the name of the publication right i'm not a cardiologist I'm not a neurosurgeon. Like, people don't die when I make a mistake, right? I'm not even a plumber. Like, if, if they make a mistake, like, shit starts coming out of all the all the parts of your flat. You know, that's that's worse. So, you know, I'm kind of... We could be... Uh, we should be more open about this as journalists, I think. Um, and, you know, people just don't notice the reject. That's the problem. Like, people read the original story, and then that just solidifies and so i met people the journalists i talked to journalists this week who thought this was a credible story they were like oh yeah the ivermectin there's people like in, in, in the u.s who are like killing uh, killing themselves i was like no no and then they're like the thing is like then they go like no it's fab he's a he's a he's a tinfoil then i have to fucking run uphill to fucking prove to them that it's wrong and they don't fucking believe me and like some people I give them the fucking link and they don't believe me like this is the, the very publication that ah uh, it's so bad um yeah so uh once again I have to do this year uh uh, uh the bots and uh algorithms that are listening to this um <laughs> this whole thing it's not about why, whether ivermectin is uh, a working treatment for SARS-CoV-2, right? I don't know. I don't know. 
And I, I don't care. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is how bad current journalism is. Like how bad it's gotten that this story can go out and be uh, repeated over all these outlets. And it's just fucking, it's rotting away the core of our society. I and mean, we have an information society, right? That's what they told me since I was in high school. And this is a fucking, it's rotting away at the beating heart of the information society. Um, anyway, Taibi obviously um, <clears throat> seems to be very fed up uh, pretty much as much as me, probably also because of his former colleagues there at the Rolling Stone. Um, and he sums this up very nicely. So I'm going to read out the end of his story because this is basically, I'm going to read this out and then I that's basically putting an end uh, to this this whole part of the of the discussion. Um, and I need to have a have a drink because apparently I'm 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 raw. Um, news has become a corporatized version of the two-minute hate, in which the goal of every broadcast is anxiety anxiety-ridden audience is an anxiety-ridden audience provoked to the point of fury by the unpoliced infamy of whatever wreckers are said to be threatening civilization this week. I like that he uses wreckers. That's a very like. 1930s uh, communism term. It's a very Stalinist term here, like that. Uh, Whatever wreckers are said to be threatening civilization this week. The unvaccinated, insurrectionists, assadists, Greens, Bernie Bros, Jill Stein, Russians, the promoters of right supremacy culture, etc. Mistakes are inevitably made... Uh, mistakes are inevitable because this brand of media business isn't about accuracy, but rallying audiences to addictive disgust. And that's basically what all, pretty much everything, every corporate media is these days, I think. As yeah, Sometimes it's not about it. Sometimes it's just, you know, it's like addictive, right? It's about the addictive stuff, right? So in tech journalism, it's not so much about like outrage and disgust. It's more about like, I don't know. Well, it's also about outrage. It's like this Linux distribution versus that, like Windows versus that. It's like uh, graphics uh, requirements of Microsoft Flight Simulator. It's the same thing. It's more benign, but like the the mechanism is the same. Um, as a result, most press people now shrug off the odd error or six. Look at Maddow leaving her tweet up. So long as they feel stories are directionally right, that is aimed at deserving targets. I never thought this could happen, but people like Maddow, Reed, and the editors of the New York Times opinion page have taken over the role once occupied by Jerry Falwell's moral majority. As a kid, I tilted blue in my politics. In, in, in this is I like so this is this is the kind of journalism where you I love this. You know, I love people on Substack are doing this a lot, and I, I, I appreciate this. This is my kind of writing. This is Matt going right. Look, this is my bias, right? I'm going to tell you about my bias and I'm I'm building that into my conclusion because it is part of my conclusion. As a kid, I tilted blue in my politics in significant part because I couldn't understand, I couldn't stand or understand crusading moralists like Falwell, whose entire raison d'etre was driving millions of followers to hate and fear people they not only seemed to know nothing about, but claimed they hoped never to meet. Gays and lesbians punk and rock musicians, rappers, comics who used naughty words, fantasy gamers, and scariest of all, goth teens who do pentagrams on their trapper keepers. Falwell and his imitators mixed a conspicuously unchristian, unforgiving attitude 
I don't I guess Matt is Christian I disagree with this by the way uh, you know <laughs> Christians always say they are forgiving and uh, yeah just look at the Crusades and the Spanish Inquisition anti-Roman Catholic Church uh, anyway um, Falwell and his imitators mixed a conspicuously unchristian unforgiving attitude I would say it's very Christian actually with undisguised glee at the suffering of anyone they understood to have brought divine repute upon themselves. I mean, it's very Christian, right? If you're bad, you go to hell. That's retribution. That's what Christianity is all about. Uh, sound familiar? Remember the fundamentalist opinion on AIDS patients that, quote, if the homosexual community would stop doing what they're doing, they would stop getting what they're getting. Then there was Forward's take on New York after 9-11 that, quote, when we destroy 40 million little innocent babies, we make God mad. And, quote, the pagans and abortionists and the feminists and the gays and the lesbians and the ACLU, I point the finger in their face and say, you helped this happen. That brand of pious sadism is now baseline norm in the wing of the media business where I once worked. Well, I would say it's not pious anymore because it's now a new religion, right? It's now, uh, you know, progressiveness, some kind of I don't know what it, what do you call it? But like, I don't want to put people like you know, I'm, I'm I'm trying not to put people in these in these boxes as well. But you know, sometimes you have to use terms, and it's hard. To, I, I don't think I don't think it's pious. It's not religious. Um, it's um, like virtue signaling or something. I don't know. Um, uh, th that brand of piousadism is now baseline norm in the wing of the media business where I once worked. Today's press constantly makes religious icons out of tenditious ten bureaucrats like Bob Mueller and, quote, Saint Anthony Fauci, Fauci, strives all the time to turn changeable news narratives into inflexible holy writ and delights, delights even more than Falwell in its own version of divine retribution stories. I mean, I don't like his uh, religious band in this, but you know, I, I think he has a good point. I think he's analyzed this really well. This is this is what the media is doing. I, I don't think it's religious. To me, it's more like um, it's like this moral thing, right? It's like we are we are better than you. Um, we have to tell you why, like your petrol-powered car is horrible, right? And um, and if you like. We're like, you know, you look back like, I don't know, I look back 20, 30 years. And I think if you got an illness, that was that was you, right? That was like, that was a very private thing. And now we're like, oh, well, look, look at that guy. He got like COVID and he's nearly dying. Well, serves him right. He didn't get vaccinated because he's a stinking anti-vaxxer, right? This, this victim blaming. Um, and this is the same thing. This is victim blaming in this case it wasn't actually you know the victims didn't even exist um i don't think getting aids was a private thing was it yes specifically yeah um with these very people like with these people uh the progressive people in the 80s it wasn't a private thing initially but that's what they said it's like nobody's fucking business right and we actually i don't know i don't know where you are but you know in germany there are very specific laws about this um Right. I mean, there are laws where um, if you infect somebody with with uh, HIV um, and you knew, right, it's actually um, semantics. No, it's uh, copper for letting what was a battery. I think it's battery. 
Um, so there are laws like this, but like, you know, <laughs> I mean, do we have, if you go to a restaurant, right, or you, let's say you go to a sauna club, right, in the last 30 years, did you have to like show your papers that, that you do not have, that you're not, not HIV positive, right? The only time you have to do that is you, if you give blood, right? And they wouldn't actually, actually, they won't believe you. I think they just test all the, all the blood anyway, you know, as, as well they should. But like, you know, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't have like a, what, what they're calling it now, this, uh, the, the 3G rule in Germany, where you're like, uh, uh, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't ride public transport if you, if you are HIV positive, you might bleed all over the place and endanger people. Like, of course it was a fucking private thing. Yeah, sorry. I'm not, I don't want to get mad at you. Uh, it's really not your fault. But, like, it's a good point. It's good that you bring that up. But, yeah. Um, I mean, initially when it came up, it was a stigma. And then there was a big, like, by progressive left-leaning people um, who would at that time, you know, be the Democrats in the U.S. And, like, you know, social Democrats, I would say, in Germany. Um no, for the for the conservatives, that was a stigma, which you know, where I'm totally not down with the conservatives. Um, but there was a big fight um, to make this not a stigma, right? It's a, it's a, it's an illness. It's an illness you contracted, and it's not your fucking fault. Literally, <laughs> you know, you were having sex with somebody you might have not known, and like even if you like, it's your it's your choice. If you want to, if you're a man and you want to fuck men, then it's your damn choice, and you might have a higher risk of contracting HIV. Yeah, but it's like it's your personal choice. Like it's my choice to get on my motorbike, which gives me a high, a much higher choice to die, right? Um, and you know, we used to live in a society where like that was discrimination if you did that. Like if a if if I have like a, a health insurance and I go well, but you have to pay more money because you're riding a motorbike. That's more dangerous. Like ten years ago, twenty years ago, that that would have been seen as discrimination. That would have been illegal in my country, right? You can't just go because of like some some personal choice. You can't just go and say, well, you can't do this, or this is going to be more important for you, uh, more expensive to you anymore. The problem is that is going away. That's exactly what I've been fighting against. Like this is part of the new normal. Uh, which I say we just can't ex accept, right? Um, it's not acceptable in Germany if I run a bar, if I put a sign over the door, go like, people of Jewish faith, faith are not allowed in here, even though I have house right and I can throw anybody out I want. That's like discrimination, right? But I can I can now go and say, no, I don't want anybody here who's not, not vaccinated. Like, that's, that's, that's fucking discrimination, and of course, then people say, well, they could get vaccinated, to which I say, well, you can, you can just become a Christian. You want to be in my bar? You don't have to stay Jewish. That's your personal choice. <laughs> you know, I mean, that is fucking discrimination is what it is. Discrimination has nothing to do with like if you're a minority or whatever. Um, it's about just like, you know, for, for some arbitrary reason, just going, yeah, I think this is too dangerous. I'm not letting you in. I don't like your personal life choices. That's not like, that's not how we should run our society. Please, everybody. Anyway, um, let's talk about some, some funny things. I mean, they're just like sarcastically funny or ironically funny, but I think they're funny. 
or even hilarious. Um, so part of this, um, <laughs> we, had a, we had a very good example of, of actually, the, the, the amazing thing about this is, um, yes, these, German, the, these journalists are like on the high horse, morally high horse, but they're really shit. They don't, they don't know how to research anything and they don't know how to think critical, so they, they can't even do hit pieces correctly. Um, so of course this week we had a video and I have it in my Instagram because I follow Joe on Instagram, Joe Rogan. Um, if you don't know who Joe Rogan is, probably the most influential podcaster ever. Um, you know, the Joe Rogan experience, uh, at one time, the most listened to podcast. I don't know what happened after change to Spotify. Uh, but you know, Joe Rogan, hugely influential, um, cool guy. Um, but you know, um, he, um, had a, a, a Instagram video where he was like, okay, I, I, I got uh, SARS-CoV, he said COVID, but he got SARS-CoV too, right? He was really infected. And he's like, I, I, re I realized I felt really bad. And then I uh, did tests and I got it. And, you know, we did all this treatment stuff. And uh, now a day later, I feel fine. I'm good. I'm perfect. <laughs> and uh, then he said what he, what he took. And, you know, he talked about ivermectin and uh, monoclonal antibodies and whatever. Um, so... Of course, he has to be attacked because Joe Rogan, you've got to understand if you're not clued into this, into the culture of us, Joe Rogan is evil. Joe Rogan is a conspiracy theorist. Um, mostly don't. The guy is totally benign. If you actually listen to to his show, I mean, you cannot like his show because of the guy or whatever or how it's set up. I completely understand that. Uh, I kind of dig the guy uh, because of him I started uh, watching UFC and I, you know, he's a, he's a commentator on UFC. He does it really well. Um, but like he has this format where he just gets people on talks to him and Joe Rogan is, is, is very excitable. Um, sometimes, you know, people have told me I'm very excitable uh, in this way. Joe Rogan is, 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 is much more extreme. Joe Rogan gets somebody on and gets really into that person and will listen to him and will turn into a six year old, right? Literally anything the other guy or woman, girl, whatever woman person tells him. He's like, oh, this is amazing. It's the best thing ever. I'm going to try that. <laughs> like literally anything. And so like the show is just like this, um, this, this, this sounding board of ideas. And sometimes these people are just really wacky. Some of them are nutcases, absolute nutcases. Some of them are just fascinating people, right? I saw just an episode the other day. I just Googled something and I found just the Joe Rogan episode and watched the whole thing of this woman who does, uh, I think it's called the Moab 250. It's like an endurance race um, where she uh, runs through the Moab desert like 250 miles in one go, like 58 hours without sleeping. <laughs> and then she was talking about all the hallucinations. She, I mean, we're talking about a feat that like is unthinkable for most humans, right? Just imagine you go running and, you know, I go running for like two hours and I'm like, fucked. And now imagine you're doing it for 58 hours. And then now imagine you do it at night and in a desert on a desert trail with like fucking rattlesnakes everywhere, whatever. Like, it's just amazing. Um, Astral C says half of the time Joe is high on weed. Maybe, but I wouldn't even blame. Like, even if he's not high, you know, he drinks whiskey as well. Like, even if he's not high, he's just like a... It's just an excitable fella. I mean, I think one of the reasons UFC has a modern because like somebody lands, like if he's if he's in the commentator booth, right? And like this guy, one guy hit, hits like a really cool, like, I don't know, head kick or something. Like, whoa! You hear Rogan go like, whoa! <laughs> he's like, literally, 
when you, when they show the highlight reels of like this is the UFC uh, middleweight champion, right? And they show all his fights, and you you like in that highlight reel like ten times you'll hear Rogue go, "Whoa, <laughs> so good!" Like he's just excitable. Um, I like the hosts that are high on weed; they are fun. Mm. Are you telling me I should get high on weed? I just like I just I'm not. Weed either has absolutely no effect on me uh, or makes me like a little bit giggly and then I fall asleep. Like I get really lethargic lethargic, and I sleep for three days. So not my thing. But I, you know, he is, he just has people on, right? And they might be, the problem is he doesn't, there's no editorial control because he's not critical. And that's not, he never claimed to be that. He never claimed to be doing journalistic stuff. That's just how he is. And um, just have to know that. And uh, so there's nutcase things, you know. Yes, there were people. There are people on the show who just say vaccinations are evil. There are people on the show who think you should take like, oh, what's it, vitamin D or whatever. Like, but the thing I respect about Rogan that Rogan does that I try to do on this show and that few other journalists do. Where we talked about this approach that most old school, like old school mainstream journalists have, where they're like this moral high ground, right? Which I think comes from a place back in the day when they had the moral high ground, right? When only like five people had a frequency they could broadcast television on. And then you only like 10 people had a printing press in their country. And then you could like, you know, you had the high ground. I don't know if it was actually moral high ground, but it was a high ground. Um, and I think they still have that, and and they don't they don't take their audience as equals, which I'm trying to do whenever I write and when I do the show. I hope you're getting this when you listen to this. Um, but like Rogan does that very well. Like what Rogan does is like I'm going to present this to you, which is just a conversation which I like because I'm excitable. I like this person. I'm going to talk to them, and then you decide. You're 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 an adult. You might not be an expert, but you know you know where you can look. Like you know, if 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 I have a podcast and I'm smoke some weed and I have this guy on, and he talks about like this medical miracle cure, right? Fucking and you you're like ah, that sounds interesting, but I'm not a doctor. Go to your fucking doctor and ask the doctor. That's what Rogan. That's what he literally said in a reply to these stories written about him. He's like, I'm just an idiot. Why are you listening to me? I, I, you know, people can decide for themselves. Like, that's the attitude journalists should have. Like, as a journalist, you're not much more educated than like. You spend some time, yeah, but a little bit of time. Like, okay, you're at the New York Times and you're writing about medical issues, right? You're not a doctor. You're not more of a doctor than your audience. You just talk to a doctor. Your audience could could also talk to a doctor. You just have better access, right? And you're maybe trained in critical thinking a bit, which is not the case anymore, I think. Um, maybe we takes Rogan's edge off. Maybe he's more intense without. No, no. I mean, he's he's like intense and relaxed at the same time, but like in a very like sweet way. He's very intense. He's like, I'm gonna gonna go into this ice bath for an hour, or just I'm gonna fucking pump iron, and I'm gonna do jujitsu. But he's not aggressive about it, right? That's what I like about UFC in general as well. It's just like people think, oh my god, it's cage fighting, it's so edgy and whatever. It's not like it's just sports, and it's people who respect each other and they're professionals, right? And it's like all the people are professionals. They just like, they just like the art of people hitting each other in the face. 
which which is which is not for it's a sport like any else like it's, it's, it's as much skill as probably more than driving a formula one car it's just a very different they're not dumb people like some of them are very intelligent um yeah anyway so um so i i respect rogan for that now he has to be attacked because he's a crazy conspiracy theorist right um so he's, he's he was attacked everywhere like we're talking uh, we're talking to guardian rolling stone of course um <laughs> what is hilarious here is i just taught you about the video right so if you're a journalist and you're making a hit piece on like how it's bad to take ivermectin why would you take Rogan as a fucking example? The guy took the thing. He's fine. He's, he's fine. Like, I'm not saying I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. This is not medical advice. This is not, uh, in any case, uh, been submitted to the WHO for approval. Thank you. Um, right. I'm not saying Ivermectin helped, but it it looks like it didn't hurt him. He's like, I'm fine now. <laughs> Maybe something else helped. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the monoclonal antibodies helped because that's actually cutting edge. Uh, it's actually what helped uh, with what helps with 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 a very bad case, you know, COVID nineteen specifically, or like, you know, that they actually when they figured out that uh, what was that drug uh, they tried with the Ebola Ebola patients. Um, that they also tried with COVID in the beginning that didn't work anyway. Some 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 antiviral that didn't really work. They actually in the last Ebola outbreak they tr also tried monoclonal antibodies and that seemed to have worked. Uh, monoclonal antibodies are amazing. Um, I know uh, several people who have uh, chronic diseases who take them on a regular basis. They're very expensive, <laughs> extremely expensive. So basically, what you're doing is uh, I don't really uh, obviously I'm not a biologist either. But it's kind of like um, you uh, clone the, you know, you take antibodies from a patient who's recovered or immune um, out of their blood. And then you put them in a mouse, I think, and then you just clone them. Like you have cells just produce these antibodies. And then I think you can do that in a, in a, in a lab, basically, in a petri dish, basically, and then you just clone them. Uh, but you basically have to like have uh, organisms produce these antibodies, which is very, very expensive. Uh, but it's cool. And then you can just inject them to people. And it's like their body, it's like their body gets a head start. It's like their body produces all these antibodies. And then the, the part of the immune system which recognizes antibodies goes, oh, fuck, look, antibodies. Somebody gave, let's produce more of those. Um, and it's, I think it, that's probably, I don't know, I don't know if that way. It probably wouldn't work in a day either. It's probably just Rogan. Like he's he, he spends an hour in an ice bath, right? He's like so much more fit than me. He's an old bastard, but he's like a tough old bastard. And he's like he's he's working out like fuck. And he's like he, he's probably just just conquered that virus immediately. His body, because like me, I get like the vaccine and I'm down like for a week <laughs> or like three days after every shot. And like God goes God just goes to show. He just gets the fucking virus. He's like a day is fine. It's like the fucking UFC fighters. Like, um, you know, there were several, you know, if you don't know what you see, so it's obviously a fight. It's like boxing, right? It's a fight. You have to prepare for the fight. And they go through like month, a month or two of training camps, like rule tra grueling training camps, like with three gym sessions a day, like running, fucking beating the shit out of each other, like inspiring and shit. So these are high tra highly trained athletes. And they, they were like all rigorously tested. Like UFC was like, the first sport to come back so they did like all the they tested everybody all the time and they had to actually postpone some fights because like the fighters and their like 
training camp were like positive because they got infected, but they didn't notice, right? There were some fighters who were like, okay, I probably got infected a week ago, but like I was training. Like, and we're talking, these guys are actually like, you know, they're pumping iron, they're running kilometers, um, they're doing cardio training. And then in preparation for the fight, they're actually um, losing like 10% of their body weight where they're like force uh, dehydrating themselves like with saunas and like fucking enemas or whatever they're doing, you know, to lose weight, to, to get make the fighting weight and then they put it back on. But like, and then they get tested like just before they get weight and they're like, oh, you're positive. Like, okay, why am I not dead? I, just, I literally put my body through like, you know, they, they just probably don't, they just like don't realize it. So Rogan's probably the same. So he probably doesn't have anything to do with ivermectin. But in any case, he's the worst. Like if you want to make an example of a guy who took it, who's a conspiracy theorist, take somebody who's dying now. Like that Rogan who's fucking fine. Who are these people? Like, can they not like who's who, who's journalist? Like, I mean, this is this is worse than not having done your research. This is like you can't do logical thinking on the level of an adult. Right. I mean, Ro Rogan said in the video, I quote, I really only had one bad day today. I feel good. And the, the, the thing is just like that fucking um, like, yeah, you can't do a scare story on based on like on a drug that based on a guy who took the drug and is fine. Right. You fucking morons. But like the more amazing thing is that at least one story I found, which was on Forbes, actually quoted this fucking line from Rogan. They were like, oh, crazy, whatever the, the headline was, you know. Uh, Rogue takes FDA unapproved, blah, blah, blah. And then, oh, yeah, it's really bad. And he's a conspiracy theorist. And he's like, anti-vaccines, didn't get vaccinated. Then he got COVID. Then he got sick. And now, now he's fine. And then they quote him. It's like, your whole story falls apart in front of my eyes. I'm reading the story. Your whole fucking story, like the whole premise of your fucking story just fucking fell apart. Ah, uh, can't make this shit up. And then the other thing, but this is just anecdotal. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but like the the hit piece in the like the very hit piece is anecdotal. <laughs> so it's just like like that's the that's the reasonable humanist argument you can be like the scientific argument. Why are they even writing about what like one guy what happened to one guy? Who cares? There's like thousands of people in ICU beds or like fucking ECMO, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who cares if Rogan was fine? Who cares if Rogan ate horse medicine? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Who cares? Like, it's between him and his fucking doctor. Um, but anyway, um, that was only the, another story I found, which was also hilarious in another way. Is um, So I, I talked in the past, so it, it seems to go hand in hand. Uh, like, traditional big media journalism you know corporate journalism just going going to shit seems to go hand in hand with trying to suppress um, independent sources because i think these people will feel somehow threatened you know they feel they're um i certainly when i worked for a publishing company never felt threatened but i don't know like they seem to feel threatened at least like um subconsciously i think they know that there's other people out there that they don't have the monopoly of the printing press anymore and, and now they have problems. And so there's also lots of censorship happening, right? Which we talked about uh, here because it happened on this show. Like, you know, YouTube did that to me. Now, YouTube did the same thing to a guy called David Fuller. 
who is a very outspoken critic of people taking this ivermectin. He has written about uh, extensively where this comes from, like where the studies come from. He's talked to experts. Uh, and basically comes down on the side. Sorry, I need to drink some water. I'm like dehydrated. I've been running today. Trying to lose weight for my uh, welterweight fight. Anyway, um, so the guy, so this this guy is like it's a critic, right? He he wrote about how like taking this thing is like not supported by scientific evidence. Really, like the evidence we have seems to suggest that it doesn't help. And there was basically one study, but you know it's questionable, whatever. And then he made a video about this, and it got banned off YouTube. Uh, banned as medical misinformation. This is like my uh, episode. And he got like fucking, like he appealed and his appeal actually got turned down and he was actually, I think, uh, preparing to sue them um, and then uh, appealed to the press. I think it's it, it, like, he obviously has more, uh, you know, audience than me. So Google actually, I, I contact Google press office as well. I think, you know, I don't know if that had anything to do with my video, my appeal going through, but like when his appeal got turned down, he, uh, he contacted Google press office and they remedied the situation. But like he, they were actually, um, saying they're going to permanently delete his, um, his video. Right. Um, now the double irony is, uh, this video actually so this is in in the description of the video on YouTube. Discussion of ivermectin has I, ivermectin has also led to censorship from the big tech platforms, but the free speech slash censorship dynamic is only one part of the story. It also shows how broken our information landscape is, with the advocates on one side, the skeptics on the other, creating echo chambers and filter bubbles and broken sense making. Which I would say uh, wise words. So he was actually addressing in this video this very censorship by big tech companies, and then his very video got censored. It's it's hilarious. It, he thinks it's because he actually had a um, a clip from a conspiracy theorist, uh, a theory guy. I'm gonna I'm saying this now. So from some some guy who says you should take ivermectin because of whatever, and then he actually debunked it. He was like, no, this is wrong, and he actually took it apart and analyzed it. But of course, the YouTube algorithm was too fucking dumb to figure out that he was actually doing the exact opposite and criticizing this. And probably the guy reviewing it later, you know, the fucking intern, somebody in Google, somewhere at Google was also too dumb. <coughs> Man. Man, oh man, it's a, it's a crazy time we live in. Um, but I thought that was hilarious. Anyway, um, let's get let's wrap this up. I've I've bored you enough. I've probably triggered any journalist listening to this a long time ago. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about some feedback I re received um, about previous episodes. And in this case, we have longtime producer Fadi Mansour, who's written in before, who writes in again. Um, somebody who's actually listening to the show. That's refreshing. <laughs> Sorry. I just gotta, can't let that go. That just cracked me up this week. Um, Fadi says, first of all, I'm sorry that I haven't been sending feedback for a long time. A little due to being busy, but then laziness. Don't, don't be fucking sorry, man. Dude, it's appreciated whenever you send something in. And if you don't, you don't. It's all good. 
Sometimes you just want to listen and be lazy on the couch. I understand. Uh, but I've been listening to the new episodes all the time. So thank you for the great information and analysis. Well, I'll, I'll give my best. I'm also a Security Now listener. And it was long. It was along with Linux Outlaws and No Agenda, my first introduction to podcasts. No Agenda and Security Now were because of a recommendation from a friend. But Linux Outlaws I found by myself. So I was very much into Linux at that time, <laughs> like me. Uh, I can't tell exactly when I started, but it should have been around 2006. Uh, I think 2007, right? We started the show in 2007, if I remember correctly. But yeah. <laughs> it's too long ago. I can't fucking remember. This has been ages ago. Of, of the, you know, some some brain cells uh, have, uh, have, have, have succumbed to alcohol poisoning since then. Um, while introducing Steve Gibson and Spinrite, you mentioned that there are Linux tools that can do the same. On one hand, it would be interesting to tell which, and on the other hand, I would like to mention that while in one mode, Spinrite focuses on the HD controller to read and then write the different sectors in this process to discover and... Um, and in this process to discover uh, issues in the underlying physical location and reloc relocate them. But a feature that should be special to Spinrite is that in case of detecting an unreadable sector, as reported by the controller, it will try to force read the data and statistically try to reconstruct it. Um, I'm pretty sure there are Linux tools who um, do similar things. I remember, I don't know. You know, this is like years ago when I was doing tech support, right? This is like, are oh, we talking? Yeah, probably also like 2006, uh, seven or whatever. Like we had, like I had a, um, it was a Linux Life boot CD um, that was called like, we talked about it on Linux Outlaws on the time. This is kind of like hard drive rescue disk or something like this is like a rescue disk thing and it had all these specific tools and i know specifically some of them um did similar things to spinrite it was just a more manual process spinrite is very streamlined so i always appreciated for that it for that because it was less, less things i need to remember and just made my job easier uh, but i remember there were things like i think that also force um force like the, the 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 reading like force reading it again and again and again i don't know if there was statistical reconstruction but i'm pretty sure that there are tools for that or there were i don't know maybe these days some of them might not have been maintained because like you know it's lots of stuff is ssds now um so i can't remember um, but i specifically so i remember that there was uh there's a tool for like ripping CDs, like audio CDs um, on Linux that did something very, very similar um, where it was basically, um, uh, it was like, if it couldn't read something, it would just like read it again and again and again and then statistically try to reconstruct it. Um, so so maybe I'm I'm like projecting that to a hard drive tool but maybe that had something else like that i don't know um it's it's been a long time it's it's not really my area uh, of expertise anymore i haven't done that for a long time right so far my hard drives like i i've been pretty good uh with the backups and that's generally my solution so if a hard drive dies i just throw it away And then I had case that cases the other day where I was actually helping my wife with some of her stuff 
from the lab and that was a hard drive that had dried but that had like the click of death right where the, like i couldn't like i tried for hours i couldn't get it to like it would just spin up and spin down again so it wouldn't actually engage really, like at that point you can't even do anything with spin right right that's the thing where you can do it in the freezer and put it in the freezer and all that but like or you you know you could send it to a hard drive recovery service and then what they basically do is they take uh uh same hard drive of the same build and then you know take the it's probably the the board on the on the driver's fault, you can swap that, or you can even swap the motors, or you can swap the platters, which will get really expensive, right? And put them in a, in another hard drive. Get take a new hard drive for the same kind. Take that those platters out, put those platters in. Um, but I don't think uh, we were getting to that point. But so far, generally, I've just been. Um, I never really had that problem. I'm relatively like I've lost stuff because I haven't backed up back that up but then you know i'm relatively good at letting stuff go i've lost like photo collections in the past we're like okay right now i don't have my phone pictures from like 2003 like <laughs> i wish shitty quality anyway okay like i'm good at letting stuff like that go um but also generally have hard drive this was just like when i was doing tech support and then the people i have backups i mean and the people just didn't have backups Oh, they were shredding us backups, and we just when we tried to read them, we figured out that the script had failed, stuff like that. Um, right. Um, from a te- Fadi continues. Uh, from a technical point of view, um, Squirrel is very interesting. But you were describing that it would help alleviate tracking and deplatforming. But here, allow me to disagree. Although Squirrel will help decouple the data managed by a site from the identity of the person generating it. But if the site decided to ban a person based on the type of information uh, he is creating, then even if his identity cannot be revealed, uh, he would also have lost something by the ban. Take, for example, a trading site where the quote reputation trade history would be lost by the ban. Yeah, you're completely right. I'm not saying it's like a silver bullet to like tracking. I'm just saying it alleviates some stuff, you know, just like for, for example, block comments or something like this. I mean, for... Yeah, I mean, that's that's generally the problem with data or metadata, whatever, you know, as soon as you start accumulating data, that's a problem. And that it doesn't really help with deplatforming in that way. You're completely right. But I also didn't want to uh, make it sound like it, 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 it solved that problem because it doesn't. <laughs> um, on another note, while reading the feedback about Afghanistan and people serving in the military, we had an interesting comment that reminded me of an interesting song. Mutiny in the Common Soldiery by the man that will not be blamed for nothing from their album This May Be the Reason Why the Man That Will Not Be Blamed for Nothing Cannot Be p- Killed by Conventional Weapons. I think it's also often abbreviated conventional weapons. Never heard of this band. Uh, a very interesting name. Listen to the song. I put a link to a uh, to the song uh, version on YouTube in the uh, show notes, Private Citizen Press. You want to listen to it. Um, obviously, I can't cannot play it on the show for rights reasons. Um, but uh, interesting punk band from London. They seem to have a have a cool vibe. Uh, these guys are are, are cool. Um, you know, very very London band, a bit steampunk. Um, yeah, not not generally largely my kind of music, but it isn't bad, and it's a good song with a with a good message so thanks for that yeah that's uh, all the uh, feedback for this show uh, i had much more feedback this week some of which i'm not including in the show 
um, and not only by people who have not listened to the to the actual podcast. But if you want to give me feedback, we had a lot of feedback today live uh, in Twitch, which is always great. But uh, if you want to write in, there's many ways to do so, including completely anonymous ways. Please go to private citizen or press contact information is on there. And now we will um, go to the part of the show, which is called uh, Toss a Coin to Your Podcaster. Um, where I want to talk about, you know, how you can support this show. Obviously, you can uh, become a supporter on Patreon, which is a thing, um, which helps me out a lot. Uh, and that's like a kind of a subscription service. And uh, while we are talking about this, um, I actually want to want to quickly uh, mention something because uh, we had some feedback um the other week, I think, um, talking about another shirt. Um, so I have this $30 a month subscription thing, which is, I mean, all of this is optional, of course. And, you know, the $1, $1 a month option, whatever. Um, but like, there's a special thing for hardcore supporters who, if they really want to, uh, if they stay subscribed at that level for three months, you know, at $30 a month, they get a shirt sent straight from Patreon. And one of the people who got the shirt said, okay, I would, I'm coming up to the, like the second time or something. Um, I would like a different shirt. And uh, suggested that we have an aim to misbehave shirt. Because, I, you know, obviously I say that a lot. I think we're actually talking, is this Steve? I think it's uh, Steve uh, who suggested this. Anyway, I've designed a shirt, um, which, um, yeah, uh, I'm gonna. Oh, I need. To, I probably should put a picture in the show notes at this point. I didn't do that. I'm just, uh, just kindly showing it. Uh, you know, obviously, I. Uh, you can't. Yes, yeah, a podcast. So please go to the show notes. I will put a picture in the show notes. Private citizen press. Um, but obviously, I'm, I'm live streaming this on Twitch, the recording, and then uploading it later on YouTube. And um, yeah, so uh, this is a design I came up with. Um, I think it's pretty cool. Um, we have a problem. This um, this Patreon tier um, has this. It, it, I can't change it. You can only get that one shirt, right? But there is another option where I can um, have a thing where you can have four more merch items, and if somebody stays subscribed, they'll get a, a merch item after the third month, like in, in this tier we have already, and then after the sixth, the ninth, and after twelve months, they, so they get a merch item every time. So I thought, you know, I'm, I'm putting this in the feedback section because I want your feedback on this. Um, my idea is I will create um, two other merch items. I think a cup, I'm looking at a cup and maybe a hoodie for the private citizen. And then we have the original shirt. We have a second shirt. We have a cup. So maybe starting with the cup, then the original shirt, and then the second shirt, and then maybe finally a hoodie um, that you get. But then you have to subscribe for a full year. And I might just keep that at $30 uh, a month so that, you know, you can jump off after the, f the first three months and you just get the shirt. Like that would be the same option as the option I have now. So I think, um, 
you know, depending on what you think, like, please uh, give me feedback on this. Um, if you're interested in this, um, I might just go with that and then change the subscription. Now, the downside is that everybody's already subscribed at that level. I can't upgrade them to the new thing. And because I, I, I chose this option with Patreon because it's great, because they handle all the merch. So I don't have to care about it. I've designed the thing, upload it, and they, they produce it. They quality control it. They send it to you. If it doesn't arrive, it has a problem. This, all, all of this is between you and Patreon. So it doesn't create any work for me because I don't need, frankly, I don't need any more work. Um, so that's why I choose this option. But that also means I can't send you a shirt, right? Um, I only have that first shirt myself because I, I can, as the guy who's doing this, I can manually request a sample shirt and I want it before somebody ordered it. I wanted to see what it looks like. Um, so I can't manually send you a shirt. Uh, that's the downside. So, uh, But maybe we'll just do that and then have a... Uh, I'm, I'm going to retire that original tier. Uh, or I really can't retire it because if people are still subscribed to it, but like I'll make it like legacy or something. And then we'll have the new tier. And then if people subscribe to that, um, they can get the new merch. Uh, but please let me know. Private citizen not press, contact form, whatever you think. And if you just, I mean, this is completely optional. This is just like for the crazy fans. This, you know, you can do this like with $1. A month, or you cannot do it at all. You can just do like send me a one-off uh, contribution via PayPal. Uh, producers at fab.industries, the email address for that. Also in the show notes, um, that is also a thing. Or you know, don't have to do anything. It's the value for value model. You get this for free. Um, you don't even have to listen to the show. You know, as as people this week uh, amply uh, showed, um, you don't even have to do that if you don't want to. So, um, but you know, the people who have supported me, I appreciate them very much. Some of some of these guys and gals have been doing this for a long time. They're very loyal. Uh, they make the show happen. They um, they are literally what drove this show to 85 episodes. This is why I keep going. First of all, because people listen to it. Second of all, because I like doing it. But third of all, because you know, there's a little bit of financial incentive. And as a freelancer, I got to kind of scrape together my money where I can, and, and that helps. So I, I appreciate these guys. So um, thanks to Georges, Steve Hose, Butterbeans, Jonathan M. Heavy, Michael Mullen Jensen, Dave, 1I11G, Michael Small, Jackie Plage, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Flip Klostermann, IKN, Bennett Piata, Kai Sears, Fadi Mansour, Tobias, Joe Pozo, Dirk Didi, Mode 7, Rodanian Saint, Sandman 616, David Potter, Mika, Martin, Rizal, Avis, Mr. Amish, Dave Amrish, Drive Zero, Ricky M, Barry Williams, Jonathan, Cam, Philip, Captain Aircat, RJ Tracy, Rick Brack, D, Robert Forster, Superuser, Breaker of Builds, and Astral C. I appreciate all of you very much. And now we come to Twitch, because obviously I'm live streaming this, and uh, I live stream other things uh, once in a while video games. A lot of Escape from Tarkov, where I do like uh, weightlifting exercises uh, while I play. <laughs> um, and of course, we also have then comments on Twitch, like from Jim. What? I don't have to listen. I'm out of here. Goodbye, Jim. Anyway, I you know you can subscribe on Twitch, which you can like if you have Amazon Prime, you can do for free, uh, which is a cool thing. Like you're not paying anything, and I get uh, still get the money, which is great. So I basically get it from Jeff Bezos. So uh, thanks, 
thanks, Jeff. I mean, Jeff, even after his divorce, he's still like one of the richest people in the world. So I think he, you know, he can he can take the hit. So thanks, thanks, Jeff. Um, so, but if you do that, you have to renew uh, every month, or you can just subscribe on Twitch. You know, uh, you know, can support the other content there as well. So, thanks to all my Twitch subscribers: Mike the Dane, Flash Gordo, Jonathan MH underscore Com, Sandman six one six, Zenith two five two, Centurio Purchase, Mode Seven is unavailable, El Terrestris Jim who's out of here, Baking the Pork, Galteron, Redeemer F, Genio uh, Vera, and Indie Game X. Uh, you sent Jeff to space. Did I? I mean, I didn't order that much from Amazon, but okay. Uh, as long as Jeff's not sending me to space, um, I mean, both both his and uh, fucking Elon's rockets just been crashing a little bit too much, to be honest. <coughs> I'm happy with Twitch as it is, and I need to drink some more before I wrap this up. Jesus, man. Mm. My voice is just. I mean, the, the hay fever is getting better, but I'm attacked. Anyway, uh, I also have to thank Bitemark uh, at bitemark.co.uk, uh, a UK uh, cloud hosting company, which provides me with the servers that uh, provide the bandwidth for the audio files of this podcast. Uh, so thanks to Bitemark. And also uh, Raul Kabazali, uh, who wrote and recorded Acoustic Roots, which is the theme song I use for this podcast. Uh, I like it very much. I mean, I did license it, but you know, I'd like to give credit where credit's due. It's a great song. So, um, And with that, I'm playing us out uh, with a song called Hyperdrive. Bit of like, I don't know, metal, metal, metal-ish kind of thing. Uh, by Sebastian Forslund. So, uh, like Jim, I'm out of here. Aim to misbehave. See you soon.
standing by your side With my heart on high drive How do I take to make you Oh,